and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I'm joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hi. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There he On is. On today's episode, we realized we've never done an episode on how we or you could use MS mid-side in mastering. So we're going to kind of tag this episode pretty quick. We're going to kind of dive into a world that it's like in a world where you can mess things up incredibly quick. It's like there was ever a, you know, a movie intro. I should like channel my deep voice, my movie voice, like in a world. It's like, yeah. The Jurassic Park of, I would suppose, stereo tweaking, tweakage. Want to get into it, Sam? I would love to get into it. All right. Do uh, we owe the people a little bit of housekeeping? Housekeeping. I like what you did for the hundredth. Oh, geez. <laughs> what was that going into? I was going to do share. But housekeeping. That's what I thought it was. Do you believe in housekeeping? You're like donning the really long black wig. <laughs> I like this huh. idea of Cher doing housekeeping. All right then. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Uh, you do. You do. You Sam. Great. I should recreate our housekeeping theme song to be that. Although I don't know if we could post it every week. Copyright. <laughs> Be kind of like weird, symphonic. <laughs> you like release a music video to it. <laughs> oh shoot! Okay, housekeeping. <laughs> Friends, family, aliens. If you're listening to this, you have the unique opportunity to like, subscribe, share to our lovely hey, podcast. Hey, look at that! Hey. Most importantly. And y'all have actually been doing this. We checked out our uh, metrics, our analytics, and we're growing. And I have to imagine that that comes from you, the listener, telling a person that you know about the show. Also, man, we got so many shout outs on Facebook the other day in that Mastering Nerds group, which is quite large. People were, somebody was asking about the best mastering podcasts. And there were at least a dozen of you out there who Matt and I, Matt and I, Matt and I, I think thanked on Facebook already, but uh, y'all were repping the Attack and Release show as being one of the best mastering podcasts out there. And so I appreciate that so much. We are so grateful for that. And that I think is the thing that moves the marker, the needle for us the most is when one person just tells another person. That is way more important to us than some stars on iTunes. If you want to do the stars on iTunes, that's also great, but we are looking to just keep building the community here more than anything else. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I need to say for housekeeping. That was very nice. All right. Which is funny because, like, if someone were to ask me, like, what's the best mastering group on Facebook, it wouldn't be Mastering Nerds. <laughs> it's true. It's Mastering Engineers Worldwide. Worldwide. Was that where it was? Where was this? I no, it was on Mastering Nerds. 
I feel like like if, if you're gonna definitely get like the most trollage on mastering nerds. Yeah. But it's like if you just kind of want like raw information, whether it's right or not, you're gonna get it on mastering nerds. Mastering engineers worldwide is like the admins like heavily police it and like who comes in. Like I've been trying to add my friend Angel to it for the longest time. Just be like, you gotta see this post, and he can never see the post because they won't let him in. And uh but like it's like just about every professional mastering engineer is in there. And if you want to get like real-time feedback from people who are doing it like every day in and out, like 100 percent Like I think I saw somebody was selling like an Alicia like a like mastering compressor, like the ten thousand uh-huh. dollar one. And it was up there for I think like twenty three minutes, and then like Chris Athens like swooped in and was like, "Yep, ten thousand dollars. All right, it's gone." <laughs> it's like holy crap! Like you, you see like serious stuff moving in that group. So if you're not part of that group, you should do that. But thank you, Mastering Nerds Group, for for the shout out. Shout out. So all day. Anywho, we are tackling today, as I said, midside. Midside. Do you want to explain? What midside is, or yeah. I can explain what midside is. No, I can give my my uh, my opinion, my def my definition of it. Yeah, do it. Um, okay, friends, here's one man's opinion. Um, mm. Midside. I actually just googled it when we decided because <laughs> I was actually curious. I was actually I googled the date. I wanted to know when midside became a thing, and uh, Google showing that midside became a thing in 1934. If you can believe Dude. that, by Alan Blumlin, B L U M L E B L U M L E I N, nineteen thirty four is when midside processing became a mic technique first, um, and then after that, it eventually evolved into the midside uh, kind of way we think about things. Which to me, um, midside, it's basically I'll probably just explain. The, the mid is, uh, well, mid-side is basically uh, a process that takes a stereo signal and it will separate the mono in the stereo channels. And then your mid, which often we call the mono uh, channel or like the center information, is identical in the both left and right channels. And when you sum those left and right channels, you get your mono signal. The stereo side is basically information that the the way we get stereo is you have information that is different from the left and right. Um, That's where like if you are using a sample delay, just it's just a cool little side tip for you. If you use sample delay, which basically just shifts the left or right a few milliseconds left or right, if you're mixing or something, you immediately have basically created a stereo image because there is now a difference between the left and right channels which creates stereo to our ears. Um, So yeah, so mono is basically the identical info that's in left and right channels and stereo is the difference between left and right and that's how you get mid-side. And what we can do in the mastering world and obviously in mic techniques, um, you can mess with the mid side to enhance, change, fix, make a mess of things, and 
uh, we'll get into that today of probably how Matt and I like to use midside, think about midside, uh, how we use it in mastering, what we use to do midside, and um, maybe times we don't do it. So I'll end that there as my kind of definition introduction to midside. Matt, do you have any rebuttals or or a better way to think about it? Explain it. Um, midside has like a lot of different um, like names. Like the most common, I think now that everyone's kind of settled on is like midside MS. Um, but it's like if you look at like certain things, it's like I think Dangerous had uh, a box that just did that little um, midside matrix. Yeah, and I believe they called it like the sum difference, which is like I mean the exact same thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and the manly backbone, like right in front of me, it has like like there's like a widener on it, and there's like an MS matrix on it, and it says sum and difference. And so I mean that's all it is is like mid yeah. is like all your mono information, and then like side is essentially what is left when you essentially negate that mono information and um i will say whenever you're definitely whenever you're playing with that uh one you are playing with fire (laughs) and then um it's uh I don't know, it's just something that you really need to kind of be careful with. But if you're kind of like in the mixing stage, you're kind of like just kind of dabbling around and whatnot, it can be pretty fun to experiment with it. But uh, you can definitely throw some stuff out of phase pretty darn quick. Um, As far as like why we use it, uh, when... And this will probably be like every other episode where... I have a reason why I use it, and Sam has a reason why he uses it, and then like where we use it. Um, for the most part, for me, it's as f- it's normally like a corrective element. So, and also where I'm using it. So if I'm using it on the software side, um, it'll be like I like a burp. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the dangerous backs plugin has a mid-side feature, which is kind of nice. And so you can kind of like tell it essentially like like where to affect this like really sexy curve that is the Baxendall like EQ curve. And so that that's definitely nice. Um and um I'll more use it say like if you have like the fab filter, the Q3 um, the isotope EQ. I've kind of <clears throat> oddly moved more towards fab filter as opposed to isotope. I don't know why. There, there's no logic behind my madness. Um, if I have to do a lot of things, I'm normally uh, I'm opening up more than one instance of fab filter because it's like on one screen you can do. MS, stereo left, right, you can do left or right, uh, mid or side, and uh, and not to mention if you have the Q3, you get like the dynamic EQ part of it. And so there's just so much going on, like if you need to do that much, um, generally I'll have more than one instance, so I'm like, okay, this is this, this is this, and it just for my own like mental sanity. There's no reason to do that besides just my, like I'm being kind of overloaded. And um, normally if there's like a lot of like low end, 
thwub that's really not supposed to be there. I'll check out the sides and I'll be like, all right, what's going on here? And so normally like some plugins will have something like called, I don't know. I know like a lot of Brainworks has this. Um, if some pieces of hardware have it as well, um, it's essentially called an elliptical filter. Um, but um, a more modern term for it is a uh, is a mono maker. And so you're taking uh, low-end info from the sides and you're just kind of making, like you're just kind of shelving that off and you're not allowing it to essentially propagate in the sides. Not all genres really benefit from that either because you can have, um, I mean, some it, if you have, say, like a, like a rock tune or something like that, you're going to kind of want, like, I kind of view this in, like, the terms of, like, a stereo V. And to me, you're going to want, like, a, it to be a little bit meatier. Um, this is going to be weird. <laughs> a little bit meatier down low. And you normally don't shelve that off. But if you, I mean, not much is going to really, I mean, you can have pop and whatnot and uh, CCM, and that's going to benefit from, like, stuff that's below... Um, like 30 hertz and whatnot. And maybe it's like, you have CCM, they're playing a lot, like a lot with like sub bass and stuff like that. Um, so you just, it, it, it's very genre specific, like whenever you would use an elliptical filter or a mono maker or whatnot. Um, how do you say, I'd say elliptical filter more comes from like the vinyl cutting sector, um, which I'm not really educated to speak on, but it's, you're going to have some no bueno moments that happen from too much low end, uh, too much rumbling too far down south. So that's why you kind of have an elliptical filter on. You see like old mastering desks and stuff like that. Um, so as far as like, as far as plugins go, I'm more approaching it from like a fixing side. If there's like a weird kind of like 200, 250 type area, it's like, yeah, let's kind of dial onto the sides. Maybe this is like a little too much. Or maybe you're kind of looking at someone's like, whoa, why is this thing so wide? And does it need to be wide? And um, more times than not, I might see if the mixer can fix it. Um, but if it's something that like the client's like really hot and heavy on, it's like, okay, well, let's see what we can do in, in our arena. Um, so, and then like MS right now, as far as plugins, like it's available, like an EQ, uh, compression. I know a lot of people would use it for compression. I do not compress in midside. I barely use midside. Um, and then later I'll kind of get into like where I use it. Um, I don't think... No, I mean, yeah, multiband's not mid-side at all. Um, I imagine you could, mm -hmm. but I mean, then you just kind of be like, I don't know, like dual mono compression. You're just right. assigning mid and then side. So where do you use use it? Uh, are you mainly using it on like a plug-in side or are you using it on like a hardware side? And then why do you use it? Yeah. Um, from a plug-in plug standpoint, I will sometimes do mid-side with the Brainworks. Uh, e like digital EQ. I think they're on V3 now. It's oh, called. that jumbo yeah. thing? I have the V2 I used to use that. Um, and really think it still does a great job. It's super clean and does a really good job at midside. Um, EQ out of the Did box. Did you see that that was an actual unit at one time? No. Like, I don't think they ever sold it, but I think that's how they modeled it. Oh, cool. I'll see if I can find the picture. Well, you, go on, you on your monologue. Um, yeah, go hunting. Um, my better maker mastering limiter has mid side 
uh, limiting in it. And I will use that sometimes. Um, and you can adjust the mid-side uh, volume if you want. Uh, so I'll do that sometimes. But really, my approach to mid-side, if I want to traditionally think about it as I would say most people think about it, which is like <clears throat> most clients, when they think about mid-side, they're thinking about adding width usually to the image. Um or like creating a hug around the center or bringing the center more up so that's more punchy. And if I want to do mid-side um, or MS, I actually will often just use a regular EQ because kind of anytime you're doing anything like EQ or compression reverb, whatever, um, if you're processing your whole track, you're in theory impacting the mid-side. Um, and so I found that width can also can can usually be achieved by just boosting top end. Like that'll usually mm -hmm. make the song and track feel wider based on how we perceive music and how speakers are made, usually, if you're sitting in front of them. Um so that's one way that I'll sometimes just like I'll do mid-side without using a mid-side plugin or hardware. Um, by impacting the whole mid-side as a whole. Um, but then I also will sometimes do mid-side for probably the most often I do it is honestly with like rock. When I want mm -hmm. like the guitars to fly out of the speakers and mm -hmm. then want the center to really kind of like have a big bottom, I will sometimes limit the sides um, so that the guitars just sound that are panned usually hard left, hard right, that are already wide, just sound even more wide more often, which would be the compression. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you do that inappropriately, or that's all you do, then usually the center can sometimes lose impact or image or the guitars start to trump. So then usually I will do like a, <clears throat> basically like a presence or a boost shift in the, the mono info to add some thump and top end, potentially. Just depends on what the, the source is like. There's no, no real rule, but that would be normally probably the approach to then the kick is thumping a bit more, um, and then the sides, the guitars are like super locked in and in your face kind of the whole time, which usually makes the song feel more energetic, in my opinion, and most of my clients love it. Um, I will have occasionally clients say like, I can tell you changed the width or something or use mid-side. And to be honest, like 95% of the time, I don't use mid-side at all. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, obviously what I just said too, if I change EQ, it can make the mid-side sound like it shifted, um, which I don't usually, I don't usually think to myself, I'm going to use mid-side on this master. <laughs> like it's kind yeah. of like a, a tool belt uh, it's like a hammer is in my tool belt or something. or oh, It's probably more like a protractor or something odd. Maybe like a strange Allen wrench bit <laughs> size where I'm like, I use this on random things when they really need it. Something unique. Um, I do use it usually as more repair than anything. Um, and I think that... I don't know. I mean, the longer I do this, 
I would say when I first started, I did more mid-side just because it felt like things were louder as a whole, which essentially, Mm -hmm. if you're just cranking mid-side, you are making everything louder (laughs) as a whole. Mm -hmm. So there's truth to that, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily good. Um, I used to really be into the Brainworks XL limiter, which is a mid-side limiter. And um, it actually... sounds dangerous. (laughs) It sounds good, but yeah, it's so destructive to me in that um, you can side chain the mid side. You can do crossover filters. You can adjust just the low of the mono and then the center, like mids of the mono, and then they have the sides limiter. And you can do the faders connected or not. You can change like attack and release on it, I think. And then you can add the XL harmonics to whatever. So there's a lot going on, and you can just adjust the gain of the midside. So it sounds like the opposite <laughs> of what glue is. Yeah, it's <laughs> if you need to unglue something, right? It can be like the times I've used it is to repair, um, but obviously they sell it as like the solution. I remember the first time I watched the first version of it. The like tutorial video, this would have been, I don't know, seven years ago or something. The tutorial video basically presents it as like loudness is no longer a problem. <laughs> like, and it's just like tutorial of each channel getting like attenuated three to four dB with makeup gain. And then uh, the song is just like a pancake with everything just fell apart, but they're like loudness achieved. And it's so cheesy or something. <laughs> it was something super cheesy. I'd probably go find it. Um, but back then, I, I <laughs> the sound of hits. Yeah, the sound of hits. Exactly. I, you know, it was appealing when I think when you're first starting, it is sometimes difficult to figure out how do I get this record to be loud. And then as you go along, you learn that there's a thousand things that kind of add up to the final loudness of a record. It's it's not always up to the mastering engineer. Um, actually, it's the potential of a record is really established before it gets to the master engineer, which we've talked about before. We can do a lot of things to it to make it sound better or louder or whatever the desire is. But anyway, when I first got started, I remember having that plugin and abusing it, I'm sure. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, the, the plugins that I use for mid-side are probably just the Brainworks I don't think I use any others because it it does what I need it to do when I need to repair something usually. And then if I want to like kind of enhance, like use midside as like a, you know, with a rock song or something that really just needs to kind of slam, the better maker usually takes care of that for me. Um, so that's how I kind of use it. I used to do some like mono maker type stuff where I would mono out like 80 and below or 100 and below um, if it felt like something was too muddy or I don't know. I When I used to do that, I used to think it would solidify the center, but it often felt like it ripped out some of the, the density in the sides, obviously. So then sometimes the song sounds a bit smaller. So it's a delicate dance, but I know there's a lot of people who use mid-side and I think it's actually probably... Um, hurting them, honestly, <laughs> for the most part. Like, I've watched people work and use mid-side, and usually the side just gets super wide and the center just falls apart um, or just becomes kind of this unbalanced thing And then at the mix stage, and then I'll rebalance it. 
um, at the mastering stage. So I'll stop there for that monologue. Well, it's not like, I don't know, because if you're doing like stuff with like an acoustic guitar, it's like not, and like it's kind of panned, but kind of not. It's like the whole guitar is not going like over there. Right. It's not like typical panning. It's like part of the guitar is going over there. And I don't know. It's like there's, and it's like just like a lot of like verbs and stuff like that. And you can make stuff sound like really, really big. Um, and I'd say it's kind of like a poor man's mastering job. Yeah. And it's like not being like disrespectful or anything, but um, it's like if you needed to get somewhere pretty darn cheap, I mean, midside is definitely like a fun trick. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't use it as a go to. I'd say I use like a mono maker in just about every master, but it's on that like the last thing that I use to like the way that the way that I arrange like my plugin stack pre gear is. Anything that I that needs to be fixed before I go into the analog. So and and not like fixed of like oh well this is screwed up. Fixed as in the sense of like well I don't like this to hit my gear because I know what this is going to do to my gear. So if it's like some really crazy vocal um, that is like really really far forward, it's like okay well um, ozone's master rebalance. Let's bring that puppy down because. I know what's going to happen. Or if it's like low end, that's like super crazy. Um, let's kind of get that back. Or like, I don't know, maybe someone has like 16K that's like a crazy spike. Okay, well, let's take a little notch with the Fab Filter Q3. Or eh, I think they kind of want this bumping a little more. And so you kind of figure that out. Or it's like, man, like this song just like feels like it wants to move more. And it's like, okay, well, let's get a little bit of like harmonic movement. Let's try a tape machine. And let's kind of play with that. Well, the last, and it's like, I don't, I barely do anything like pre analog. Um, but I mean, sometimes you just kind of have that like little like piece of inspiration. It's like, okay, well, this is where I think it needs to go. Um, and then, cause I know what the gear is going to do. And so, whatever I do, which is normally not anything, <laughs> uh, before I hit the gear, is I'll always have that like BXXL V2 that limiter and it's just kind of like if anything just needs balance it has this what is it called am i going to screw up my logic session if i pull this up <laughs> i'm not going to pull it up there's there's this little part of it where like like the you you have control over the mono and the mono panning and the side panning like if a vocal is like like coming out of the left channel it's like am i able to move the mono so that the vocal is coming center without moving too much mono information. And so it's like, if they were able to do that, then maybe. But like, I might shoot something over the mixer and be like, hey, you might want to check out this vocal real quick if I can't move it. Because like, if too much of the mono is moving, it's like if the snare is center, but the vocal's not center, well, guess where the snare is going to be when you move the vocal right? <laughs> the <laughs> the snare is going to be really right. So, um, but if you ever needed something that kind of worked as like, you know, that whole little like, I don't know if it's like kind of like a summing box or whatever it's called. I can't open it up, but I would tell you if I could. <laughs> um, that's normally there. And then uh, there is a mono maker there. And so it's like normally that's hanging out around 20 
or maybe 30, unless like there's some sub base information that's like, all right, yeah, sure. Let's go see how, how low this will go and no one will hear it but me. So me and dogs. So I hear Biggie or yeah. whatever barking in the background. Um, so that that's pretty much that. And then hopping into like analog mid side is kind of interesting. I don't really, um, I don't really do too much. I really like uh, mid side with the Masalik, but mm-hmm. if you need it, and so it's like, oh, man, that vocal's pretty far back. But I don't really want to. Whenever you, you use master rebalance, it's like more comes up because like the AI platform is kind of like. Yeah, we're bringing up the vocal, but also there's a little bit of like electric guitar that comes up. There's a little bit of acoustic that comes up or like stuff in that range kind of just comes up. And sometimes it's just too much. And it's kind of like, I don't know, if you like, do you ever play the game of like, I like this gain knob over this gain knob? Yes. It's kind of like that. It's like, I like, if we're going to bring everything up and Master Rebalance can't catch it, then it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to do like a mid-side process and I'm going to, for the Maslick EQ, I'm going to dial everything in at um, 2K with like a Q of uh, 6 and I'm just going to bump it up half a dB or maybe even 1 dB to bring it forward. And it's like, oh, what happens if I do that on the sides? Now you get some of the background vocals coming up. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of cool. And so it's like, I might fiddle over there um, my favorite use of mid-side in the analog is a feature that uh, my MPL2 has. And I think this is a reason why I did not get the... It's like the MPDS or something like that. Um, it's essentially a dual mono DSer that Masalik makes. And so mm-hmm. you just have like two like channels and you just individually tweak them. Well, they're swept pots, which um, I don't think I would want necessarily for that and plus like you have like the limiter on the MPL2 but the one thing that sold the MPL2 to me was they have this MS feature under the high frequency limiter section where if the throw lever switch whatever it is is down then you you are essentially uh, broadcasting this high frequency limiter over broadcast isn't the correct word um you're applying this over like the whole song, uh, the whole stereo spectrum. Um, if the throw lever switch thing is up into MS mode, you are only affecting the mono. So like what's in the mono? You might have like a crazy like like symbol that's kind of going crazy. Definitely the vocal if it's like incredibly sibilant. Um, if there's like a snare that is just going like bonkers, um, you might capture a little bit of that. So, I mean, if there's like an, like even like stuff like, like topping on an acoustic guitar. And so it's like you can, if you need so much in the stereo realm that you kind of feel it pulling down, like the compression that happens, then switch it over into mono. And it's like, okay, well, it'll be pulling down, but it won't be pulling down stuff on the side. So if it's not as important, um, to use it over the whole thing, then you can just use it in a mono. And so I like that a lot. Um, 
Let's see. Other things, it's like on the Neve, like the stereo field editor, you have like, they call it depth and width, which depth is like mid and width is side. You can e- you, you you can like engage an EQ to like say like, okay, I only want you to grab this and pull it forward or back and I don't use any of that. I don't think those lights have ever been turned on. And uh, like the width is nice. It's a pretty natural type of width. Um, and then... I definitely like the like stereo widener that's on like this like thing that's on the manly um, backbone. I do like that a lot. I don't really use it too much. If I do use it, it's just on normally with the Maslik uh, MEA2. But if the Neve doesn't work, then I will normally try just that like stereo width knob. Whether it's just engaged and you're just kind of running through that MS circuit, then back to stereo, or maybe just bumped up by 0.5. There's a weird thing that the console does. And the only reason I know this is from like, there's like a Sweetwater video from like 2009 uh, with this dude who, I don't even know if he's still a manly rep. Um, I think I saw another video recently with him, like a rep for another company. So I don't think he's with Manly anymore. There's this weird mix fader on the far right, and you can put it into like it has like like it has three settings, which is set by a toggle switch. It has like a fader type thing, so you can kind of do your own like manual fade ins or fade outs. It's kind of cool. It's also the most satisfying knob you've never turned. So it's like if you're kind of into that, just. It's pretty nice. It has a mix mode to where you can blend in, I believe it's channel, it's either channel seven or channel eight. I've never used it for this. And the little arrow that like the engage knob, like what, or switch, like what it points to is like in between seven and eight. I think eight is post, like everything else. And I'd have to go and look, I've never used it. But then you have the mix difference. From what I understand, you set the you set the knob all the way to um, the far left, and then you essentially are dialing in under the mix difference section. You're dialing in some out of phase information from the input side into this output circuit. So you have a natural widening that happens um, through this phase out of phase injection. Um, but I've never, I don't know why they have that, but it's just like, it's a very bizarre feature. I'm glad it's there. It's like, yeah, sure. Like it's that tool that Sam was talking about that you don't know when you're going to use it, (laughs) but it's like, do you know what chain pliers are? Chain pliers? I imagine they cut chains. Not at all. If you, (laughs) if you, if you're hanging a light fixture and you need to essentially spread open some, uh, decorative chain. Oh, and then close it again so that you can hang the fixture. Because elsewise, what are you doing? You're screwing around with like two screwdrivers and like some pliers, and you're like damaging the chain. Well, the chain pliers are made out of a material that's softer than the chain itself. And so I think they're made out of like zinc, which is softer than probably the steel that the chain is made out of. So it's not going to scratch it unless like you just really like dog them. And, uh, yeah, and so you don't have like a screwy looking light, but you'll never use chain pliers for another purpose. But you know what? When you need them, you got them, but they don't sell them at Lowe's, they don't sell them at Home Depot. It's really annoying. Specialized so, tool. Very specialized tool. So that's kind of how I view midside. That's how I use it. And uh, I don't think there's anything on the post that I really do. 
Um, do you use any like imagers or anything like that? Um, like stereo wideners. I mean, the Brainworks EQ has a stereo width thing on it from like 100%. I think it goes to zero, which means you'd be in mono to 200%, which mm-hmm. is always like super out of phase. I've used that like a handful of times. Um, Ozone has an imager that I literally... It's like a multi-band imager yeah, too. I don't think I've ever like actually used... I've used it and I used it to realize I don't want to use it. Um, <laughs> which doesn't mean if you use it and you find it to be great, that's great. But I uh, don't use that. Um, there was something I was just going to say that I think I do use sometimes. Um, shoot, 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 shoot. No pressure. I know. I'm just, it was an in the box plugin that I think I used the last few weeks. And I'm like, oh, that's what this button does. Um, Nah, I'm not going to think of it. It's gone. It's all right. Um, well, interrupt me or whatever if you think of it yeah. later. Yeah, I will. Um, but yeah, as far as like an actual imager, I don't really use anything like that. Oh, I just remembered it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Waves Vitamin plugin, which is like a harmonic multiband thing just to add mm-hmm. a harmonic signal. There is a width knob on each band, and you can move, obviously, that knob to make things wider. And there was a um, pop song the other day that I used just the top end of that vitamin thing because it does a really, uh, like a, I mean, it's artificially a harmonic generator, but sometimes on pop, when I'm produce or not produce when I'm mixing, I'll sometimes use the vitamin thing on an individual, like a kick drum, to bring out like the attack in the low end of it. Um, if it needs thickening up. Anyway, there was a song I was working on, and I thought, I think that sound that I want is in this plugin. So I pulled it open, used the like top band, and just boosted it a hair and did a width thing with it. And it solved the issue. It made it sound more like what I guess I wanted to sound like, which is based on what the client said they wanted to sound like and the references they sent over. So, yes, Waves Vitamin, within that plugin, there is a width control. There's also a punch control. I don't know what that does, to be honest. Um, it usually sounds like it brings the center forward. Maybe it's doing some mid-side stuff. I haven't looked at that manual like in a long time. I think that's about all I use them for or have used them recently is uh, once in a once in a blue moon, I will use them and the vitamin waves one has that width knob. So you should go check it out. If you never checked it out, it's kind of a fun plugin. Um, Do you have anything um, hardware wise that you use mid side with? Well, the Better Maker Mastering Limiter, yeah, has bit oh, side yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. But outside of that... Do you ever do anything? Yeah, sometimes I do. Um, I'll use Does it, it for... Does it screw anything up? No. Well, not, nice. not in my opinion. 
I mean, it could if I like crank. <laughs> not when I use it. Not when I use it. Um, the width knob on it's really nice that it has if you want to boost your sides. Um, hmm. I will sometimes actually automate that manually on songs for courses. I'll click, 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 up, and click, 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 down. Chorus verse. Do you ever use the plugin for it? Nope. And we have talked about this. I feel this. like that'd be super beneficial. I know. I should use it. I have if no reason write, why like, I automation, don't use it outside of that'd be so cool. I like touching things. <laughs> but I could just yeah. automate it in the box. Um, I think that's the only mid side piece of gear I have. Mm. Um, outside of I can link and unlink on the tube tech. Uh, the LCA 2B for limiting compression. It's like the most overlooked and underappreciated feature of gear, I feel like. I agree, yeah. It's like, it, that to me does more for mid-side than, and like stereo width than yeah. really anything. Well, and I will say too, on my FabFilter Pro L2, you can adjust the, um, the I think the transient link. Yeah, and then how the transients release from the yeah, like the actual wall of the limiter, and changing that to me is a massive uh, part of. I adjust mm-hmm. all my attack and release and and those things on the fab Same. filter, and I feel like it drastically is part of my sound or mm-hmm. whatever I end up achieving is by moving that transient link thing. Usually, it's stuff is less linked than linked for me. Um, really, yeah. But, it depends for me. Yeah. But it always starts fully linked and then I move it backwards in theory to see how it sounds. But yeah, I forgot about that. But I do that. Mm-hmm. I do that. Yeah. My very Mew, um, I'll normally start linked and then it's like, ah, let's just kind of see like if we need a little bit more space. But it's like with a compressor, it's like you really got to watch it because if you have like something really dynamic happening on one side of the like stereo V then you can have that channel really be like like cranked down mm-hmm. if like you're doing like just like I don't know normally I'll do some like pretty late attack and release type stuff just so it's uh it's kind of like catching stuff and it's like slowly kind of going back down or like if it needs to pump like I'll have that um that faster release um <clears throat> But normally, like nothing fast happens with the very mew, so um, it's like slow meets slow. Um, but like as far as like the stereo separation, it's just like it's a night and day type thing. It's like this is like a whole new compressor. Um, on the Neve, there is a channel link, and I don't know a lot of people who use it unlinked. I use it unlinked, <laughs> and it's like it. it there is like a complete lack to me of stereo width. Like anything that was going on kind of uh, gets pulled in when the Neve is put in stereo link mode. And so I'm very much a stickler on that dude being unlinked and then the very mute. It's like, yeah, we'll kind of see like how the wind's blowing that day. So um, as far as like plugins in post is there anything besides the limiter that you do um i don't think so no 
There's no. I definitely with the Pro L two. I definitely do. Um, like the the attack and release, like and and we had like the whole episode on limiters. Yeah, it's like normally it's like I'll listen to the Delta and be like, okay, yeah, I definitely this is the information I want to be limited. Yeah, dial in that attack and release to like, okay, this is the vibe I want, and then normally the transients and then the transient release is dialed. Yeah. Maybe like for me, it's like between like thirty five and forty five percent in. And so it's like I, I I want each channel to kind of do its own thing. Um with isotope, I don't know. I can't stress enough, like with master rebalance, just be careful because even if the thing is on, you're gonna get some weird phase stuff that can potentially happen. You can also like unglue like yeah. a vocal from something because like <clears throat> It like watch your CPU, like you turn that thing on, and even if it's at zero, it's like still having to track where that vocal is to get ready because it doesn't like, I don't know, at least to me, it doesn't like it starts doing something at 0.0. And there's like a little bit of like a decoupling that happens. Um, I don't use the, I don't use an imager at all. Um, the maximizer has this interesting thing, and if I could open it up without screwing up the session, I would. Um, I'm pretty sure I could, but I just don't want to. <laughs> um, there, and it has to do with uh, like the stereo separation of the uh, like of how like the limiter behaves. And I normally, if I'm using that limiter in any type of fashion, I really like the. Um, there's like a dynamic element on the far right of the master rebalance. And it's like, if you squashed something too much, you're like, man, I like the level. I like where I'm at. I wish I could just have a little bit more of like, like dynamic part to that. Like, I just need a little bit more. It's like, pull that up and dial that sucker up between like 60 and like 115. And you'll get some pretty cool transient information dialing back in. Um, I mean, besides that... I don't really think I do too much in midside. I've done stuff with like that Amac EQ, but I mean that's just that's the GML version of um the Maslick MEA2 and so it's kind of I don't really use that anymore. It's a $350 plug and I probably should use, but <laughs> I don't. Um besides that, um I would just say like stereo linking and unlinking I think is very underrated for the application. Um so anywho, I think that's all I got. Excellent. Sweet. So you have anything else for the people? No, I think Confuse them anymore with midside? Said everything I wanted to. If they're not thoroughly confused already? (laughs) I think we did a good job. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I guess it is. All right. So there's probably a sweet beat. The 101st beat Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from com, kind of creeping up. If you like that, go over to Sam's little Instagram, tell him you like it, or go over to Beza Beats and you can buy it. It can be yours for the low, low price of, but act now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if uh, if you're in need of a mastering engineer, feel free to reach out to Sam or myself. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering and I can be found at For The Record Mastering. If, uh, yeah, if you can just... 
do us a solid and drop us some likes and some stars, thumbs up, a comment here or there would be fantastic. Most importantly, share this episode with a friend who does not understand MS and tell them, listen to these other people who also don't understand MS. (laughs) I'm just playing. Um, Yeah. Just can't thank y'all enough. Like, it's like, what would we say in the beginning? Like 210,000 downloads. Something. Um, by this and so it's like just can't thank y'all enough just for the past hundred episodes and Sam and I are really looking forward to the next hundred episodes so yeah morning afternoon evening whatever y'all are having have a darn good one we'll catch y'all the next episode cue the music bud cue it